She is the author of the highly acclaimed book, Self to Lose, Self to Find, a biblical approach to the nine Enneagram types, which you can purchase today for a special price of $15, and they're over there. Um, maybe you could be over there afterwards if you wanted to just chat with her a little bit more, um, or maybe buy a book today. I think she's taking cash, check, or charge. And we're raffling off a couple at the end of today. So Marilyn's passion is encouraging others to live into their true identity as a unique reflection of God's image. And she prides herself on being down-to-earth, practical, and real. Please join me in welcoming Marilyn. Well, thank you, Lindsay, for inviting me. I um, am delighted to be here. And I would just say uh, that moms are my favorite people group. <laughs> um, and I identify. And even when I was you know, thinking through this talk with you, this time with you, um, I kind of went back to, oh, what was it like being a mom? And I kind of thought, I mean, I'm still a mom but in a different role, but that, that child rearing years, and I just got a lot, kind of an anxiety, like, oh, those were hard years. Um, and so, um, so I really just want to honor you for the work that you're doing, and I know your heart, I know a mom's heart, is always to want the best for her, their children, and to nurture them, and to care for them, and to have them grow up and to be um, caring, wonderful, stable adults. But that's the, that's the rub <laughs> as moms, is you have no guarantee. That you have no sense of if what you're doing is gonna have the outcome you want. Where in other jobs, you do know. You have a checklist, you have your job description, you get it done and you get paid for it, right? if you have a job outside of, you know, being a mom, which is great. But I, um, so when I think about you, I realize, um, I just think about, what I love about moms is that they're, that you're dealing with raw and real and everyday stuff. <laughs> Not high ideals and grand thoughts about things. You just have to deal with diapers and temper tantrums and, you never know what's going to happen in a day um, with your children because it's. I remember uh, I call those preschool years anyway those years of unpredictability. You just have no idea what every what day is going to bring. So you can't really. You like to have plans, but you can't really count on that those plans at the end of the day are going to be what you had intended for that day. And so it's a. It's just that season of having to be so flexible. Um, I don't know, the, maybe the ladies who are more my age remember the Gumby dolls that, that you are a Gumby. Maybe they have that now, but it's like, it could, you know, it has to be stretched in all kinds of directions and to be so flexible. And motherhood is this flexible state <laughs> that you're in all the time, adaptable um, time. But the thing is about the Gumby doll too is they never broke. And I see that too in moms, is that you don't break. You might break down, <laughs> right? And in those moments, you, you break out <laughs> in anger, or, but you don't. But you st moms are so tenacious to stay with it. I also remember as a young mom, um, I kind of had this love-hate relationship with being a mom. 
because I didn't love, hate my children very often. <laughs> but there were times I thought, I do not like this child. But, um, but it's just that always being on and always being available and always being, you know, having to be flexible and having messes around your house. And, and so I just want to honor you for the amazing job that you have and to um, just say that I'm on your team. <laughs> I want to be on your team today for this hour and give you some encouragement and give you some thoughts that maybe you can, I hope you'll go away with. Um, but back to this no outcome thing. I think that to me is one of the biggest fears of motherhood. Because I think motherhood is also involves a lot of fears. And you probably have more fears than I did. Um, growing up because you have Facebook and you have 24-7 news cycles and you have global awareness of everything that can go wrong and things that happen to children and the fear that that might happen to my child and you just have almost too much information than I did. I was sort of blissfully ignorant most of the time but that also says something about my personality which I'll get into. <laughs> um, but that and there's fears of um, danger and fears of sickness, fears of all those things that mothers carry as fear. But I think the one thing that is probably is common, a common fear is, are my kids going to be okay? Am I being the right mother for them and is what I, all the energy I'm expending, is it going to have the outcome that I hope for? And that's so unknown. And I, I call it, you don't get a paycheck for about 20 years. You know, you're doing all this work and you have no idea. And I had this really aha wonderful moment one day um, where, and I call it now at my age, so our oldest is 42 and our, so we have four children, the oldest is 42 and the youngest is 34. I always forget the youngest. I don't forget him, I just forget his age. <laughs> and he was kind of like that growing up. Like, how old are you anyway? Um, but. I call it, I get paychecks every once in a while, now. And I call it a paycheck. But there was this one moment, my oldest daughter, who has four children of her own, and she was kind of in that crazy stage. And she was making lunch, and she thought to herself, I have to make lunches for the next 18 years? And she felt, and then she said, my mom made lunches every day. How did she, she, it dawned on her, so she called me, and she said, Mom, thank you for making me a lunch every day. I can't believe you did that for how long, you know? And I, I said, oh, that's great, honey, thank you. And I got, I got a paycheck. <laughs> you know, and so we get those. As we're older, we get those glimpses that, oh, we did a good job. Or they'll say, wow, you were, your birthday parties were so fun. I never knew that they thought they were fun, but now they look back. But you don't get a paycheck. And so there's that fear of outcome that I, um, that I know we all have and that you have. Um, so I kind of want to address, but first of all, I just want to say a couple things. I know you're doing right. One of them is to be here. For me, the lifeline as a mom was to be with friends, with other moms that would just share horror stories 
with each other or things or fears or worries and go, oh, I know just what you mean. There is nothing like having someone else say, oh, I know just what you mean. Or having mentor moms that will give you a little hope for the future that you actually can survive this. It may be one minute at a time, but you will survive and you'll still have a brain. You'll still be able to do other things past these years. And you can get that from your mentor moms. So surround yourself with other friends like you're doing right here. And the other thing is surround your children with your friends that reinforce your love and your values. I mean, that was, we were in Young Life um, for 30 years, and we realized, you know, people say, oh, how did you raise such awesome kids? I said, no, all the village raised them. All these other people raised them. So surround yourself with good people that love your children, that care about your children. That's a big one. Um, and then trust. Trust is just trust your gut, trust yourself, stop comparing yourself to every other awesome mom that's on Pinterest you know, or on Facebook that does everything perfectly and her house looks gorgeous. That's a lie. She's just lying to you. And believe me, she's, you know, it's all the good stuff. But stop comparing yourself and trust yourself. But trust God. That God has designed you to be the mom that you're, that he gave you the children that you would be the best mom for. And to believe you are the best mom for your child. It doesn't mean there isn't room for exploring different ways of doing things, but don't, but down in your core, you know you love your children more than anybody in the whole wide world could possibly love and care for your child. And love transcends a multitude of sins. I remember hearing that. My, our firstborn was really strong-willed, and I was about to tear my hair out, and I was, knew I was parenting poorly, um, or I felt like I was. And I was at church, and I heard that God is a redeemer, that God redeems. And I went, and that love covers a multitude. I said, well, I know I love my daughter. Oh, Lord, may my love for her cover a multitude of my failures and my outbursts and my lack of being the perfect parent. May that transcend. And it has. You know, my children know that I love them. They don't think of me as a perfect parent, but they knew I loved them. And it does transcend all the mistakes you made. And God is the one who will lead you and guide you. So do that. And keep, oh, the other thing is to keep perspective. So those us here, the mentor moms, the older set, Oh, it's horrible to say these. I, I, I promised I would never say to young moms, oh, this time goes so fast. <laughs> or these are the best years of your life. Because someone said that to me, and I said, this is it. <laughs> like, this is the best it's going to be. Help! <laughs> Lock me up now, because if it's not any better than this someday, I'm, you know. So these aren't the best years of your life. You know, they're great years, they're important years, but you have a lot of life ahead, so keep perspective. You know, these years aren't your whole life, but they're important that you take them seriously. But, right, we have life after children. We get grandchildren, and then we can love them and send them back. <laughs> and we're not respond. I notice as... Amen. Yeah, amen? <laughs> and I notice as a grandmother, I... I Actually, when they're with me, I feel more terrified that I'm going to um, that they're going to get hurt, 
am under my watch. But I also don't, you know, but I'm a good, you know, I'm attentive, but I'm not, I'm not carrying the weight of their future. I'm carrying only the weight of this day that we're going to have fun together. And, but I, I remember a feeling that's the weight that a mother feels of the future. Is this child going to be okay in the world someday? And so it's fear. And I want to talk then. We're going to now go to the, you know that I'm an Enneagram person uh, and wrote the book. And I just want to, um, so how many of you, so we're going to go into that portion here right now and talk about fears. So how many of you, just so I kind of know where we're at in the group, how many of you know about the Enneagram? A lot of hands. How many um, and know which type you identify with? All right, some of you have taken tests. So for those of you who don't know, it's this, um, it's a personality, um, I hate to call it a system, but profile, a map, and it is, and it's inia, means nine, gram is a drawing, so it's nine different ways of being in the world. It's nine different filters. It's, and I believe, and I wrote the book to um, present, because it's, it's been around for a long time, and it's out there, and I've known about it for 30 years. I came in contact with the Enneagram when I was in my late 30s, and in the midst of parenting, totally lost who I was, didn't know up or down. My husband and I were kind of clashing on, seems like the same thing over and over. And when the Enneagram, someone introduced us to the Enneagram, and at first they thought it was just a really new agey thing. And back then, new, you know, ooh, new agey. And um, so he listened to these cassette tapes. If any of you ever heard of those, a few of us know what cassette tapes are, right? On a boombox, never, no less. And so, but when, and then he said, I think you should listen to these. I think you'd like them. And so they were by Richard Rohr, who I'd never heard of at the time. And so I did, and I was hooked. It was like, oh. I finally understood myself, like, oh, that's why I struggle with that. That's why I'm this way, and that's why he's this way, <laughs> meaning my husband. Like, oh my goodness, he sees life, and what he worries about and is fearful of are different than what I'm concerned about, and what triggers me into reactivity rather than being receptive, and so it really helped our marriage a lot, it, but it helped me. I remember just going, oh, somebody understands me at a deep level. And so the Enneagram, in the last few years, and I didn't even know this when I was writing the book, because God just led me to it, but I, was, I put it, the Enneagram, in a context of how does this fit with following Jesus? Because that was important to me. How does this help me, this Enneagram, how is it a tool for my spiritual development, my spiritual growth, my freedom that I want to experience as a follower of Jesus? And so that's the, the, the context of the book, and I'm not going to talk about that as much as just tell you what it's about so you can buy it <laughs> and read it if you want. Um, but um, where was I going? So uh, Jesus. Jesus said, I came to set you free, and you will be free indeed. 
So what does it mean for us to walk in freedom as a mom? And a lot of that is free freedom from our fears. Because the scripture says, perfect love casts out fear. And this, the fears that we carry as parents, um, as moms, is a place where Jesus wants you to be free from those fears. Because his perfect love casts out fear. Cast, casts out fear. And what would it be like to walk in freedom and not be afraid as a mom for your children or for yourself? The other thing that's important to know as a mom, and I, this was an aha too for me, is that I realized one day that I was putting my self-image on the backs of my children. That my daughter having a fit in the store was a reflection of me. You know, it wasn't that I could deal, like I needed to deal with that temperature. I'm thinking, everyone else here thinks I'm a terrible mother. Or, and I didn't have a lot of confidence. So I was putting on the back, back of my six-year-old child my self-image, my lack of wholeness, my lack of restoration, my lack of freedom, and for you know, putting that on my children. And that's another fear. How do I look? You know, am I a good mother? And and but that's a you know a really powerful thing if you pay attention to putting that on your child to make up your how you feel about yourself. And so that's another place that Jesus wants to touch you and to restore you so that you can be the whole parent. You can be the parent that walks in freedom, the parent that walks in wholeness and understand who they are, who you are as God's beloved, and that you are a reflection of God's image. So for the nine types, that's the context I see them in. And I'm going to go quickly through each of the nine types. Um, and some of you already know the Enneagram, and, but I always find it fascinating to hear it again <laughs> and to say it again. Um, and, and my take is that each of these nine types are, are hardwiring how God created us each individually as a reflection of God's image, a character of God, an attribute of God. We do not reflect the whole image of God. We are not God, but we are. Genesis is one. It's where we need to start, not with the fall, but with the beginning of how God created us to be a reflection of his character. And a reflection is like a mirror. And so to tap into how did God, what did God hardwire in me to want to express and experience in the world? Because we, you know, there's this longing, this deep desire to go back to our original design, to go back to that original created place before we, you know, uh, before the fall. Um, and um, so what happens for us is we're developing and the messages that we picked up as little children, just like our kids are, and that's not something you can prevent. A lot of people at my workshop say, so how can I not let my child turn into that? <laughs> um, so let your child, take your children out of this picture. It's about you. And how are you a healthy, whole person? 
as a reflection of God's image. But what happened for us growing up, I believe that we were hardwired to have a propensity for a certain way and certain longings and a certain just a presence in the world, and I'll talk about, I'm getting to it, these nine. <laughs> and then we picked up, ooh, who do I need to be? What gets me the love that I need? What keeps me safe? What gives me a sense of power and control? Those are all really important human needs to be, have esteem and affection, to be safe and secure, and to have power and control. So those are needs that we have, but we figured out really early on, this is part of our human development, it's our survival, we have to do it, I don't call it sin, I call it being a human being, is that we figured out and we perceived, and I believe we perceived, picked up things that aligned with our hardwiring, the way God created us, and then we kind of created our own persona. We be, it's a way we kind of became our own, we, and it, well, we became our own gods and way of getting our needs met and our own strategies, which we're, we were brilliant at. Children are brilliant at. Your children are doing this. Um, so it's part of just being a human. And then as we get older, and it works really well, until we get a little older and find out, this isn't really working for me anymore. It's actually getting the reverse. Um, and, and the sense of being stuck because it would bring, we take on habits and we take on false beliefs. I have to be this way to be okay in the world. And then that starts to break down. So I'm, I can't go into all of that in an hour, but I do want to do some brush strokes through the nine types in the next half hour. But really focusing on two elements of each type as it relates to being a mom and and fear. So the one element of each type, well, I'll talk about the image of God that each type reflects, the character of God, attribute of God that each type reflects, which are awesome, the wow of each type. And then what is the focus of attention? So it's important to understand what the focus of your focus, of, what are you focusing on? What do you, where do you just kind of scan and you focus on this? And each of the types has a particular focus of attention because the focus of attention is what, and it's an internal focus, creates the energy that then, develop, then um, results in behaviors. So part of the Enneagram thing is you can't look at the outer behaviors. You need to look at your inner motivations. And I just, side note, it's getting a little trivialized, I think. The Enneagram is so popular right now. It's just this buzzword thing, and oh, you're a seven, I'm a five, and woohoo. You know, or categorizing people, it's meant to be a transformational tool, a deeply spiritual tool that um, is um, transformative and convicting and leads you to freedom. It's not this little trivial thing. So if it stops being a spiritual tool, it will run its course and get boring and move on. But I really in its truest form is transformational. So focus of attention and then what are the what are the underlying fear for each type? So we're going to start. I'm going to start with type one and this is dipping our toe in an ocean of Enneagram understanding because we are complex you know beings. So my little bullet points do not are not exhaustive and each of you have your 
own, you know, own presentation of these types. But so listen, if you know your Enneagram type, you'll hone in on that, what I say, but also understanding maybe your spouse or maybe other people in your life, understanding what their fear is. If you don't know anything about this, just listen to what kind of goes, ooh, yeah, I do that. <laughs> and you know, maybe it's part of your discovery process of figuring out which particular type you most identify with. And this is a description, it's not a definition. We're describing, I'm describing a pattern, not a definition of like, oh, this boxes you in. So we'll start with type one. Now the type one is a reflection of God's goodness and rightness. There's a sense in those who identify with type ones that there's a right way to be in the world and there's goodness and they want to experience the good in life, the complete in life, the perfect in life. Um, so they really work hard at figuring out how to do that and to be a good person in the world and to bring goodness wherever they go. Um, and so they are responsible, um, diligent, great contributors to society in, in making the world a better place. So it's a beautiful gift because they align themselves, they so want to be aligned with the goodness of God, the good, the perfection of God. And perfect doesn't mean your drawers are in order. That's not what perfect is. Perfect is whole and complete. So they want to experience that. So it's a beautiful gift. So, but the folk, but then the distortion of that growing, you know, the little one child picked up, oh, I don't do everything perfect and I get noticed. I get red marks on my papers and I'm not perfect. And, and they translated that as I'm not good. And so um, the, the focus of attention for the type one is what is wrong that needs to be improved because they are reformers. They want to fix things. They want to make things better. But their focus of attention is on what is wrong. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with my children? What is wrong with the world? What is wrong with the school? What is wrong with this? What is, because there's got to be a right way. And so the type one mom is always reforming things. And I have a type one daughter who, I tell you, the number of chore chart systems she came up with <laughs> to find the right way to get her kids to do the right thing, and it, she just throws things out, oh, that didn't work, so I'm coming up with a new one, and she'll research and find, and you know, because she wants the, to do what's right, and for her children to be right, and it bugs her when things aren't right, and she'll re, she's the crusader for right. So they can be overdoing the type one, and they're uh, not such a great fear, is I'm not a good mom. I mean, the bottom line is their fear for their children is they're not going to be good children, but that's a reflection of their own fear is, I'm not, am I a good person? And because they want to be good. And so that's the fear is I'm not good enough. I'm not perfect enough. And when they, my children, you know, the one mother looking back goes, I didn't do it right. And that's why my child has this default or this defect which they all do. So that's the fear, is I'm not good enough. And so the type one mom, the encouragement is to tap into that fear, 
of being not being good enough, not being right and perfect enough, and allow God to speak to you with his love, perfect love, and it's also worth fits in here too. I'm not worthy of love if I'm not perfect. That's the lie of a type one. And to allow God's perfect love to relax your spirit and to say, I am good enough and I am worthy of God's love just because. It doesn't have to be earned. It doesn't have to be checked checklist and then it'll be there. And so to then relax and play and not be so worried about doing it perfectly. So that's the type one, good and right. right. Type two is a reflection of God's unconditional love and nurture. Their belief and their sense of experience in life is that everybody should be loved fully and all of their needs should be met. I mean, what a beautiful gift. So they're usually very hospitable, caring. They notice what needs to be, what people need. They have an attunement to it that's just natural. Like I have a friend who's a two, she buys, buys the most amazing gifts. Like how did she know? It's just they have an attunement. Just like the one has an attunement of what needs to be fixed, the two has an attunement to what do people need. Because everyone's needs should be met. That's the heart of a two. It's beautiful. But then the two child growing up was probably a really good friend to everyone and gathered friends around them and they just saw people because they're usually really relational and connecting and they were affirmed. See, some of this is what we affirm our children for. Oh, you're such a good friend and you're so selfless. The two says, oh, I'm selfless. And also, if they were ever selfish, they felt shamed, like, that was shame on you. You need to share. So the two feels like, I always have to share. I can't care about myself. So that becomes the lie for a two, is that I have to self-sacrifice, me, and all my needs to meet everyone else's needs, which are endless, right? How would you ever, I mean, how can the one ever reform the world? How can the two ever meet all the needs? So a type two mom is overdue, can overdo thinking they have to be always connected to their child and so aware of every need. And the fear is that I'm doing reparable, irreparable damage because I wasn't there in that moment when they needed me. And so the fear is my child will not be loved enough. My child won't know they were loved and cared for and that all their needs were met so they can overdo being the martyr. And too connected to everything their child is doing, too overboard, bringing, you know, making love happen, really. They take on this, it's up to me to make love happen. And so, um, but this fear that my child isn't loved is really a reflection of, am I loved? Because the two lie is, I'm loved because I love. It's the connection of, I'm worthy of love because I love people. So it's really kind of coming back to them and so that's the fear, the deep down fear of a two is I'm not lovable if I'm not sacrificing. And so inviting God into that, saying I'm, and accepting receiving this unconditional love from God for you, regardless, you don't have to sacrifice. It's also, um, that for the two is a challenge, how do I need to take care of myself and honor loving yourself in this, with the same kind of, 
care and nurture that you love other people um, and doing some self-care and allowing your children to not have to, they can be two moms can be kind of smothering and so to allow your children the independence and realize they're going to be okay if I'm not just there for every need every moment so that and so their focus of attention is on people's needs uh, if you didn't pick that up so the three the type three is a reflection of God's hope and radiance they see that there's hope. There's always hope in any circumstance. And let's, let's make hope happen. Like the vision for the future means we can do better. We're going to go somewhere and it's going to be better. So they're, and so they, the thing is radiance is they see everybody should be a star. Everybody has potential. Everybody should be lit up and, and be the best they can be. And so they heard early on in their life a lot of applause. And they aligned, ooh, I like applause. I like people paying attention to my accomplishments. Or if they had a sense of failing, they lost that sense of value. And so the type three took on the lie, I am what I do. I am my performance. I'm attached to all my um, achievements. They're the achievers and the performers. So they dance, they perform for the crowd rather than knowing their inherent value. And so the, they start to just keep succeeding, you know, the need to appear successful. And so the mom parent, or the three mom, let's say it that way, the mom parent, the three mom will want her children to shine and maybe want them to reach their full potential and so um, we, my husband's a three, and one of our children is a nine, which we'll get to. And he just did, he, our little, our youngest, just never had the drive that my husband did. Like he just, and my husband had, you know, he says, oh, if I could just get him to move, <laughs> you know, and not to, I guess I'm kind of telling on both of them. But, um, but the three mom will Hey, come on, you can do better, you know, come on, or want them to be involved in all kinds of things and attach themselves when my child's performing well, that says a lot about me, back to the self-image, and wanting their child to reach their full potential, which is a good thing, but it can feel like pressure. And the three mom is usually really busy, too, because they're about also needing to do their own, they have goals, their focus of attention on tasks and goals. What do we need to do, 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 do to move forward to this desired future? And so they can overdo that. Um, so that's where their focus of attention goes. And they have fear for their child that they will not reach their full potential someday, that they won't be a star. But it goes back to their own fear of, of not reaching their potential and, and trying to be a star and not knowing if they are. And so the type um, three, to bring that to God, the fear is, and, and the lie is I am what I do, and releasing that and saying, no, I am of value, of highest value, because, just because I am, not because I do. And just be in that place of letting God speak to that fear. Okay, I better hurry here. <laughs> Fear uh, the four is their reflection of God's creativity and depth and originality. And so they um, 
understand the depth and align themselves with the depth of God, which is really unspeakable. It's unsearchable. So they try to find ways to bring that out through their creativity. Um, they also have a sense that everything is special. Everything is extraordinary. That life is extraordinary. And they bring that, um, that everything is unique. But the, as a child, they lost sense of their own uniqueness because they, because they were aligned with this looking for meaning, they felt like they were a little different than other kids. I hear a lot of fours say, I just felt like I was weird. Because they saw things that other kids didn't see who were just doing mundane things like playing baseball, where they were you know, creating some, you know, something else that was more beautiful and more extraordinary than just mundane. And so they had a sense um, of believing that they kind of took on this lie that something's deficient about me. Something is missing in me that's keeping me from a fulfilling life. And so their focus of attention is on being special. How, do I, how can I be special? How can I make myself be special? It's also on being understood. Uh, but they fear that they will never be understood. So that's the fear for a type four um, is they will never be understood or they will go unfulfilled. So they have that same fear for their children. And as a mom, they can be almost too tied into their kids' feelings and exploring that. And they don't want to hurt them. So they don't want to discipline. They go, oh, you feel sad. Oh, you're having a temper tantrum. Oh, uh, instead of saying, knock it off. <laughs> because then they're afraid they're not understanding the depth of their own child. And so they can be a little um, uh, fuzzy on that and because they don't want to hurt them. And then, but they are very creative uh, children. And they can be moody. Mom, four moms are, can be moody. And it's important for them to um, explain to their child why they are moody. And so the child doesn't have to kind of ride the wave of their own emotions. So, Bringing that to God, the fear of being misunderstood, the fear of not being special, and realize they are special. They are extraordinary as themselves. They don't have to make themselves be special. So the type five is a reflection of God's wisdom and truth. And I'm going to hurry up here. <laughs> type five is a reflection of God's wisdom and truth. And how does the world make sense? They're in the, they're in the, more in the head. The, you know, thinking and the mental capacity. And so they're trying to figure out the world. And they love to research and connect the dots. And it's brilliant. And they tend to have a rational view of life. They don't get kind of caught up in emotions. They're more objective, sort of withheld, sort of <laughs> withdrawn back. And just being the observer, huh, huh. And so as, um, so it's brilliant. And then they learn early on the pain of looking foolish of not having the right answer, of looking stupid, or at any time feeling like they were stupid. The other thing is feeling they love, they, they feel like they're not sufficient, and they feel intruded on by other people's energies and other people's demands. So they like, they're more private. So as a mom, you know, a type five mom is trying to figure out and connect the dots being more of an objective, sort of looking at things. And so child, the emotional ups and downs of children, they just like, I don't get this. They're trying to figure them out from a cerebral place, not a heart place, because it doesn't make sense. That behavior doesn't make sense, or that emotion doesn't make sense. 
so they kind of can withhold themselves because it's confusing to them, plus the intrusion of their privacy. They want, oh, like, oh, this is taking too much of me to, to deal with. And so, um, so their focus of attention is what makes sense from a, an intellectual place, not an emotional place. And so part of that is for them, the growth, is, and the fear is that their children won't know either, that they'll look foolish. So they want to teach their children, all, to give them information, 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 because that's where the safety is. But not all children necessarily pick up on that. And so they, but their part is, with God is this fear of um, not understanding mystery or this fear of being um, foolish or not doing the um, correct thing intellectually is, you know, allow God to come in and just say, and, and this fear of running out is really a lot of it is that I'm an, uh, I will supply all your needs. I will supply the resource you need and don't be afraid of your emotions. Um, I'll be with you in that. So, and that there are some things that are just mysteries and allow for mystery to be okay. Six is the reflection of God's um, loyalty and faithfulness. The type six is reliable. You know, underneath it all, God is there. They understand that, that there is something to count on. That under, you know, there's a ground of being that will always be steady, always be there. And they're a reflection of that. And they are steady, cooperative. You can count on them all the time. That's the gift of six. And the longing for, and they're loyal. They just stick with it. Just like God is loyal and faithful. And then as children, the message they picked up, ah, there's danger in the world. <laughs> I don't know what I can count on. And I don't know that, who can I trust. Some people don't come through for me. And it created a sense of insecurity for them. And so they took on the lie, I have to be prepared for the worst case scenario so that I don't, I'm not defenseless, so that I'm ready. Now, I was doing a workshop, and so, yeah, I was doing a workshop a few weeks ago with a group of ladies doing more in detail with all of this. And I said that about the focus of attention for a six is worst case scenario. And she was like, you know, I said, she said, I don't, this is funny to me, so maybe you'll catch it. But she said, I, I identify with all of the, all that you're saying about a six. I totally identify with the six pattern, but I don't get this worst case scenario. I don't do that. So I said, well, tell us then. What? She goes, no, I'm focusing on the best case scenario. Because if we think of all the things that could go wrong, it will end up being the best case scenario. And I was like, do you, do you hear what you just said? <laughs> because they're focused attention on what could go wrong. And they want to be prepared. So you can imagine a six mom is worried about all the dangers. Worried about, and being prepared. And it feels like common sense, which it is. But it can be overdoing and paralyzing to always be thinking about what could go wrong. What dangers will my child face? <sighs> and they'll, they feel so responsible to be sure that they you know, line everything up. Just, just this, will ha this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. And so they work hard at that. So they fear, so I said, the folks have attention what could go wrong. And their fear is being defenseless. My child won't, 
if something goes wrong, they won't know what to do and they'll be defenseless. So I need to protect, I need to prepare them for all those things, which is common sense again, like I said, but it also goes back to the fear. Your internal fear is, I might be defenseless. Who's going to be there for me? And so that over-preparedness for yourself and, um, and the, the sense of, I don't know what I can count on and what can I trust. So I, you know, the kind of a free-floating anxiety for the six is very common and worry. And so um, they're vigilant and they lack confidence. And so bringing that free-floating anxiety to God and saying, I'm afraid. And these are the things I'm afraid of. And God, and I fear being defenseless and that what if I run up against something, I won't know what to do. But the thing is that you will know what to do. It's creating confidence in God with you and that when whatever happens at that moment, you will have the courage and the, and the insight to know what to do then. You're not going to be caught off defense, you know, caught in a defenseless situation and bad things do happen but you'll know and, and the confidence that you have that God is with you and in that moment you will know what to do and to relax that anxiety. So seven, these are the reflection of God's joy and abundance. There is so much life to happen. There are so many fun things to do and they want to do it all and they want to have everybody else in, to come and enjoy life to the full. So much. There's just this and this and this and this. We could do it all. And it's such a beautiful gift. They're so optimistic. It's always thinking of the next fun thing and bringing that sense of adventure and risk. And they, you know, unlike the six, they don't plan ahead. They said, let's just go do that. Oh, if we run into trouble, we'll, yeah, it'll be all part of the adventure. You know, no big deal. And so they're going for it. So little child that loves freedom, loves limitless opportunities, had to sit in their seat, had to go to school, and felt trapped and a loss of freedom. And so they took on the, the feeling that I have to create my own fun with external experiences. So the type seven is always thinking, what's next? What's next? Um, we have a, um, well, I won't talk about my children and my, their spouses, so we'll just leave it there. Um, but they fear being trapped. So as a mom, it feels like, oh, diapers. This is feels trapped. So they are always like, let's go do something. Let's go do something. What's next? What are we, we going to do today? Let's get out of here. You know, and they can wear their children out because they have a hard time with the everyday stuff of life. That feels boring. I mean, you work like that. And so they can be too, too many activities. Like life is in that. It's not in these moments. So they're always thinking of the next thing. So that's where their focus of attention is. And the other thing is for seven, part of this always doing this stuff is avoidance of pain and suffering. They don't want to suffer themselves, suffer the loss of joy and fun, and they don't want their children to either. So they're always creating ways out. Um, and so it's really, you know, it's a challenge to be in the mundane, and it's a challenge when kids are falling apart. They're going, come on, let's just go get ice cream cone. None of this emotional stuff. Let's go play. 
Um, and so they can be kind of unattached and, and lack of empathy when their kids are in pain and suffering because they don't, the fear is they don't want their child to have pain and suffering, but the internal fear is I don't want pain and suffering. And so I was surprised, I will tell him my son-in-law, um, I was surprised when they became parents because he's the adventure, stay up late, let's go to a movie, you know, all the time. And I was surprised that they always had their kids in bed by 7.30 and he was really pushy. But to him, it's like, let's get them to bed so we can have fun together, you know, instead of this ongoing parenting thing till 10 o'clock at night. Like, like let, they're, they're, great, let's put them to bed. So we can watch a movie, we can have fun, you know, and so I thought that is so interesting. Because it's kind of feeling trapped by the bedtime, but it's actually a sense of freedom for him. So what is the, um, the seven in bringing that to God, to that fear of being trapped, fear of missing out, it's the FOMO, they're the FOMO, fear of missing out, is that they have just right now that this day is special and full of adventure, and so be more present to what the grace and the presence of God's joy, even in suffering, that it's not in created experiences, it's in today, whatever today is. God's sober joy, God's true joy, God's deep joy is present no matter what happens, even if it's hard. And to be present to that rather than trying to escape here. And so um, that's be more grounded. Two more. The fear of being uh, the eight, sorry, is a reflection of God's power and God's protection. They are um, bigger than life, full of in, uh, dynamism. You know, the word, the, the scripture word for power is dunamis, the underlying power of God that created the universe. And so you could see the, the age just is in, in tune with this passionate, intense energy that comes from their gut. And they want to also, their gift is to give power to the powerless. So they are a protector of the vulnerable and the weak and the, the down and out because they believe everybody should have power and control over their own lives. And so they are the great social justice um, activists, and, and they bring a lot of power and a lot of energy to that. Well, little eight person um, had that. We have a son who's an eight, and oh man, he, but he had this tender, tender heart, sweet little tender heart, but boy, did he hate to lose out in the cul-de-sac when they were playing wiffle ball. And so he would you know, scream and holler and, and all of that because he felt vulnerable. The AIDS don't want to feel vulnerable or weak. There's a sense of if I'm weak, I get taken advantage of. And so they have this really strong presence of don't, you, you know, don't mess with me. You can't get close because you may hurt me. And so I'm going to protect my heart. And so their fear, and so they can, yeah, their fear for their child is that they're going to be hurt and powerless. And, and, and so they teach their child, you be strong, you be tough, you know, don't let anybody get to you. You've got to stand up for yourself because the fear for an eight internally is I feel powerless. I feel like I, 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 you know, they don't want to show their weak side 
of their vulnerable side. And they don't want their, and so they have a hard time when their children are showing weak and vulnerability. They don't know what to do with that, like get tough, be strong. And so that can feel overwhelming too, to a child. But their fear is that they will be, un, you know, their fear for their child is they're unprotected or, or controlled, but it's really their own fear of being unprotected and being controlled by others. And so they resist that. And um, so coming to God with that and realizing that it's okay, that God is the protector. God helps them. Um, that it's okay to be vulnerable and weak with God. And they're not gonna be vulnerable and, and uh, show their weakness to very many people, but they can trust those who they, who they love and who love them back, but most of all, trusting God to protect them and that it's okay to show their soft side. And it's actually, there's more strength there than being tough and strong on the external side. So, um, and it kind of lowers that intensity of the eight to be more soft and allow grace. Lastly, we have the nine. They are a reflection of God's peace and oneness and harmony. And they have a sense that under the thread of all diversity, all um, differing opinions, differing ways, that there's a common ground that we can find. Let's just get there. So they make great mediators because they can see all sides to an argument or a situation or the way people see life. They can understand, like, oh, I get that. Oh, I get that. I get that. Because they have a sense that every part is important to the whole. And every part should, if they played their part, we'd have a lot of peace and harmony in the world. We'd all be a great symphony if everybody played their part. So they see that. But as a nine child, they, and they tend to be really easygoing. They love peace. They don't want conflict. And so they went along to get along as a child. Oh, you're the easy one. You never cause us any trouble. So they took on the message of, I have to go along to get along, and went asleep to themselves and their own, their own part of the whole, and took on the lie that I'm in, I don't matter. That's the lie of a nine, is I don't really matter, so why should I put any effort forth? So there's, sense, you know, there's a sense of that for them. Um, and they had, so they, as a mom, you know, is they don't want the conflict to happen. And so they're always mitigating any conflicts that happen and for their child. And, um, and they don't, you know, it's just like, ugh. And especially if they have conflict with a child, they just don't know how to handle that. Plus, they can be kind of fuzzy with, because their focus of attention is on everyone's expectations or their agenda. So they can be subject to their children's whims and wishes just to get along with them. Oh, you want to do that? Okay, we'll do, we'll do that. Okay, we'll do that. So they tend to be fuzzy as parents instead of being firm because they really don't know what their stand is. And so they have to come back to what is important to me and who am I here as the parent rather than kind of going with the wishes of their children. And so they have a fear of being dismissed or insignificant for their child. What if my child is dismissed or, or not important and gets lost? But it really goes back to their own fear of being lost and unimportant and dismissed and really reactive to that. And so God, in bringing that fear to God, then God says, no, you are important to me and you need to show up. And for nine, it's kind of coming to a focus of attention like, I'm important in the world and I need to show up 
and be present and have focus and stop being a peacekeeper but be a peacemaker, which is a whole different kind of stance in life. And to help their child um, kind of, uh, you know, give them some boundaries and give them some sense of focus too, instead of just sort of, ah, whatever, as a parent. So, that took a long time. It's time for me to close. I hope that just puts, sets your toe, puts your toe in the water of the Enneagram. Um, I just want to finish with, God is inviting you to, and I was going to read the prayers I have in here of God's invitation for each type, but that will take too long. It's in here though. And, um, but God wants to set you free from your fears. Your fears as a mom, your fears of the future, but most of all, your own deep fears of being not the perfect mom, of being not loving enough as a mom, of being not, uh, you know, that your kids will, that you won't live up to the potential as a mom, that you will be misunderstood or that you will look stupid, or that you will not know certainty and that the worst case is going to happen, or that you're missing out on all the fun, or your fear for um, being overwhelmed and unprotected, or your fear of being dismissed or insignificant. Um, or you have a variety of fears. So I invite you to, well, let's just pause for a few moments, and I want you to just pay attention and notice what are you afraid of as a mom? And, and think about that. What are you afraid of for yourself? I mean, take it, if you think of, this is what I'm afraid of for my children, I want you to take it further than that. How is that a reflection of my own fears for myself as a mom, as a person? And then I'll give you a couple minutes, and then I'll pray. I'm going to say a prayer for you. And then that will open up. I hope that you know each other around your tables well enough to maybe offer what is it you're afraid of as a mom. And if you would be vulnerable enough with your team, your friends around the table, that would be a question that you could um, share together. And it's important. And then to um, maybe go around the circle and pray to the per for the person on your left about that fear that they share. Does that make sense? You're with me on that? Okay. So let's just take about two minutes. I want you to say, Lord, what fear do you want me to know about right now, today? Not the whole array of fears, because we all have an array, but today. What am I afraid of right now, today, as I'm sitting here, that is getting in the way of me understanding and receiving your perfect love.
oh God, oh, the one who loves perfectly. The God who loves unconditionally. The God of hope. Oh God of creative creation. Oh God of wisdom. Oh God of faithfulness. Oh God of joy. Oh God of power. Oh God of peace. Thank you for your presence, your delight in each one of these women. The way you have created each of them uniquely and specially and the way you have formed their life up to this point through the good blessings that they've experienced and for the hard journeys they've been through where your grace has always been there as a gift no matter what. And Lord, as they consider their fears, their true deep down fears, not only for their children or as a mother, but for themselves, I trust that you will show them what they need to know about that and that you promise to set them free, that your perfect love cast out fear. So for each of you, as you consider your fear, I want to pause a moment for you to just simply receive the love and presence of God. Write, invite God into those fears. And without judgment, without care, without concern or guilt, but just to know that God is with you in your fears. God understands, and God wants to set you free. So let God love you. In your precious name, Jesus, amen. So I just invite you to share around your table. Is that what happens now? And then Lindsay will take over <laughs> whenever. So thank you so much.